Have you ever been assigned a patient that winds up being not so cut and dry? Like those patients in acute care or the nursing home who have dysphagia but struggle to complete exercises or compensatory strategies because of their intellectual or developmental disability. Or the patient with respiratory failure who develops respiratory-driven cardiac arrest, gets intubated for 10 plus days, and is on a trach and vent. Oh, and he also has a history of stroke, congestive heart failure, COPD, diabetes, and traumatic brain injury. No textbook or single webinar could ever prepare you for that. But we have something that can help you get there, and it's totally free. On May 19th, the MedSLP Collective is hosting another never-been-done-before virtual summit titled Advanced Therapy for Complex Patients, a Medical SLP's Guide. Learn critical concepts with actionable steps you can take for those not-so-cut-and-dry cases. You can earn up to 0.8 advanced ASHA CEUs if you are or you become a member of the MedSLP Collective, and the recording is also available inside of the Collective. Ready to scale your clinical skills? Go to medslpcollective.com forward slash summit to register today. This is episode 196 of the Solio Pride podcast, and today's guest is Jenna Sturgis. She's an SLP and an oncology key accounts manager at a head and neck clinical specialist with Tactile Medical. She is trained and certified in MDTP, NMES, LSVT Loud, the Beckman Oral Motor Protocol, Complete Decongestive Therapy, Instrument Assistive Soft Tissue Mobilization, Elastic Therapeutic Taping, and Custom Compression Garment Fitting and Training. Lastly, Jenna has advanced oncology education and training, recognized as a comprehensive oncology rehabilitation expert. Jenna is certified and has many years of experience completing and interpreting instrumental diagnostic evaluations, both video video fluoroscopy and fees. Jenna is an ASHA CE provider and has hosted continuing education webinars and events and volunteers with multiple organizations, including the Dysphagia Outreach Project, SPOHNC, which is support for people with oral and head and neck cancer, and the Imerman Angels to improve awareness and support for the head and neck cancer population. Jenna has pioneered outpatient rehabilitation protocols for patients with head and neck cancer, focusing on importance of prehabilitation and early intervention, along with a collaborative, multidisciplinary approach. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders, a mobile fees business owner, and founder of the MedSLP Collective. This podcast is all about delivering the latest evidence-based practice to medical SLPs everywhere. Whether you're a new clinician seeking tangible tools for treatment or a seasoned vet stuck in a rut, my goal is to help ditch the old school ways of the past that no longer serve you or your patients, to reinvigorate your passion for our field, to broaden your knowledge about our scope of practice, and to inspire you to practice at the top of your license. So if you're listening, I encourage you to swallow your pride, be open and willing to learn, because let's face it, your patients deserve that kind of care. With that, let's dive right in. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. Good morning, Jenna. Good morning, Teresa. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell the people a little bit about yourself. So uh, my name is Jenna Sturgis. I'm a speech pathologist by trade. I'm also a fully certified lymphedema therapist. And I have my advanced training and certification with head and neck lymphedema. I have been clinical and 
I've focused on the past multiple years with head and neck cancer rehabilitation. It's really, really where I found my true uh, love and passion. And I was fortunate enough to be offered a position um, with a medical device company, which I found to be a fantastic platform for educating and training my colleagues and other colleagues alike in the head and neck cancer realm for about just raising awareness about head and neck lymphedema, post-radiation, post-surgical treatments, and kind of how how we can change their treatment options and treatment approaches, which can have a significant impact on their rehab trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. I was just telling Jenna off the air. So I finished writing a book. So if anybody doesn't know, I have a book coming out soon and I did not do this topic justice at all. So just a disclaimer, if anyone picks up the book and you're like, Tracy, you left out all this. There's a lot of stuff I left out, not intentionally, but um, I, this is definitely a topic that unfortunately is growing at an alarming rate. So hopefully somebody does something to educate people more, even more about it since I didn't do it justice in my book at all. So, <laughs> all right. So where, where do you want to start, Jenna? What should we talk about first? So I think the a, a big topic would be kind of, well, what are we talking about when we say head and neck lymphedema? Because I don't want to age myself, but it's been, it's been a few years since I've gone out of grad school and I don't remember us touching on it at all. And even when I have, have had grad students under me or fellows, they didn't know anything really about it. So that is uh, uh, something really big that I want to make sure that we talk about. Typically, when we say the word lymphedema to a medical professional, you think of that elephantiasis look of a one normal size arm versus an arm that's three or four times the size. And you know that that person just, you know, hasn't going to the gym and working out one arm. It's something is medically wrong with that person. So that's classic the classic thought of what lymphedema is. Now with head and neck patients, we can have external and internal lymphedema. And it's a diagnosis that is often overlooked. And I've been guilty of this. When I have a patient that is um, that comes in for, uh, for an evaluation and treatment with head and neck cancer, you know, I'll follow my sword and say, you know, I just put them into buckets. You know, you have dysphagia or we're going to do 800 masacos. We're going to do, you know, the a thousand super, super glottics. And then you have dysphonia. We're going to do vocal fold deduction exercises. I treated the symptom and, but I always told myself that I would treat the patient and not the diagnosis, but now reflecting, I was treating the symptom, but really not focusing on that etiology because it wasn't the cancer that's causing these deficits. It's the sequela from, you know, from their intervention. So I think that's where we kind of have to start that awareness of lymphedema and our head and neck patients will, will get some degree of lymphedema. It's huge. Like you said, it's not talked about. It's not, it's, it's really just coming up in the, in the rehab world and really with speech. So I don't want people to get, be scared of it and to shy away from it, but we can do 
our patients so much more justice if we are educated and know more about it and how to how to identify it and then what to do from there. Because we do all the strengthening exercises in the world, but it's not going to improve their swallow when they have a, you know, a, a water filled balloon inside their throat. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what, what inspired you to, to work with this population, Jenna, or how did, how did you get really interested in this? So I, I did acute care for years and uh, I worked in the ICU and the NICU and I loved it. And then the hospital that I was at asked if I could do some outpatient coverage. And I saw a couple head and neck patients and I just saw the significant lack of services and care being provided for them. So from there, I, I was still doing acute care. And then I had one of my patients in the NICU die. And that was really hard to, you know, it's, I don't think it's ever easy watching anyone, you know, pass away, but knowing the little baby passed just was really hard. And then a patient in the ICU died and it was just like a very emotional week in the, in acute care. And I had to change my focus. So with these head and neck cancer patients, I got on tumor board and they invited me to help start um, their, they said, we are building a head and neck cancer center. We'd love for you to, you know, be a part of our group because we would love to have speech be um, really involved with our patients. And I said, that's amazing. So then I really saw the, um, the ins and outs of kind of like insurance and what kind of care was being provided, what consults were being put in. So I, it was an incidental finding of, you know, just, it was a really hard week at acute care. They needed me over in outpatient. And then I just saw where these patients were getting, they're falling through the cracks and patients would come years later. And then they would say, you know, yeah, I've been dealing with this for years and it was, you know, it's heartbreaking. So yeah, yeah. I, I loved helping set up the standardized protocol of helping like, okay, at the time of diagnosis, these are all of the consults that should be put through. Everyone should be getting, and I'm a strong believer in prehab and getting baseline measurements, baseline MBS, baseline fees, and then having a really comprehensive team approach. So, you know, and a lot of my patients kept saying, where were, where were you 15 years ago? Where were you when I was going through this? So, and then I was offered a job at, um, in the VA system. And I come from an extremely strong line of military. Um, and my, my grandfather was in for 30 plus years. My father's in for 25. My brother's actively serving. My boyfriend's actively serving. And so military, you know, they, they lot veterans lie very closely to my heart. And so I was like, well, this is the perfect opportunity. This is exactly what I want to do. Help head and neck cancer patients, help veterans. And then 
I saw the same, it was a microcosm of the whole system failure of, you know, medicine in total, really. I would, I started identifying this lymphedema. I would send them out to the CLT, but they would say, well, we don't, I'm not going to touch the head and neck. I would do everything else, but I don't feel comfortable doing that. So then they wouldn't get the, that treatment. They would come back to me. I would do, um, you know, my strengthening, my strengthening, my stretches, but it was there. And I just, you know, I kept seeing these gaps in care and it was a stark realization of, okay, somebody needs to do something about this. Nobody really is. We don't have a good system in place. So then I paid for myself to get fully certified. And and I got a lot of pushback even from my own speech colleagues about treating lymphedema. Like that is not within our scope of practice. That's not, no, we shouldn't be doing that. Leave it to the PTs. And it's like, no, I, I went and I got fully certified. I wouldn't, if nothing else, I'm extremely ethical. So, but I feel like somebody had to do something to, to help them. So it's been a very weird, long uh, road to get to where I'm at. It's been pretty bumpy, uh, but yeah, I, yeah. It's, change is never comfortable. So, and like when you're putting, when you're truly putting the patients first, that it's, uh, as you know, that it's never, um, you know, you're, you're going to rub some shoulders with some people and, and it's not always going to be, not everyone is going to be supportive of everything, but I, I have, I've always had the, the patient's health at, you know, at my, at my core. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think there's so many things in our field. I think there's so many things just in human nature that for some reason we don't think we can do, or we just put these self-imposed limitations like, Oh, that's not our area or that's this person's area. And it's like, why, you know, and, and, I think that's just one of the things in life that I always am just questioning everything. Like, why can't I? Why can't we? Like, we have knowledge in that area. Why can't we? So I, I love that. I love that you took that initiative on and, and did that. Exactly. It's one of the, um, like two of the, it's the question and statement that I asked my tumor board, which I got along very well with my ENT, my radonc, and, and I created my own clout there. But I remember when I was saying, you know, I think we should be using either this pneumatic compression or, you know, the K-tape or whatever, I would say, here's the research behind it. And with head and neck, there's not a lot. There's scant research anyways. And so then you do head and neck lymphedema and it's, you know, next to nothing. So it's, it's been a one of those adventures of, okay, well, how do we, how do we fix this problem? So I would ask the physicians, if not this, then what, what, what else are we going to do? Because I'm, I'm trying to help them. So, and so if not this, then what? And then my second thing that I would tell them would be, okay, so tell me why not tell me why I can't use that. Of course, with tact and, you know, respectfully, I would discuss that with them, but my big thing is, you know, and I'm always learning. I believe that we should be learning every day. You should learn something new. And if, we're, if we don't have that open mindset, then, you know, I mean, I think we're doing ourselves in, in, you know, a disservice, but 
you know, that's when I, when I really posed it to the physicians like that of those two things, if not this, then what, and then tell me why not. And they were like, no, Jen, we agree with you. And we're like, I'm like, okay, I want to make sure we're on the same page, but these, it's so easy to say, this is how we've done it for the past X amount of years. And then, so that's how we're just going to keep doing it. And I'm like, nope. And that's how I feel what speech we're kind of in that rut of, you know, you have your dysphagia book, phonia book, you know, the, the source for voice. I still, I, I love all of those. The cervical stretches I use for my patients. I, you know, I love any type of reference and resource and I'll always look at them, but I think we, you know, I think a lot of SLPs, correct me if you disagree or, you know, feel free to disagree, but I feel like we just have those go-tos and no matter what the diagnosis is, we tailor a little bit, but we end up going to the same group of, you know, just stretching, strengthening and, you know, hygiene, but there's, we, we have to look outside the box. We have to, we have to, you know, say, what else can we do? Yeah. Yeah. It's been difficult. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's not easy. Change is not easy. Like you said, and learning new things and, and getting people out of their routines of what they think we, they know and what they think we should know. And yeah, it, it's tough, but it's, it's always worth it. It's always good work. So, mm-hmm. so one of the biggest barriers, I would say with the, SLPs that I always talk to is, well, I don't know anything. I don't know the first thing about lymphedema. I don't know, uh, you know, just like you said, I mean, it, w- it wasn't covered in your book. That's how we, there's so limited knowledge on head and lymphedema. And that's why I love doing what I do because I truly, truly love educating and training others. I knew when I was clinical, I could impact hundreds of patients lives and now with this platform i'm able to make touches with other speech pathologists radiation oncologists ents other oncology providers and just their whole teams you know from um from nurses mid-level providers uh, physicians and with speech it's always well how how do i know if a patient has lymphedema, what, what does that look like? And how would that be diagnosed? So Dr. Carney, um, he is an anti-surgeon out of Texas. And then Dr. Stubblefield, he's a physiatrist in the Northeast. He, and both of them, Dr. Stubblefield says, I treat 100% of my patients as if they have lymphedema until proven otherwise. And he always pauses and he says, and I have yet to be proven otherwise. Wow. You know, and I, I hold that near and dear to my heart. And I love physiatrists because I do believe in, again, that comprehensive treatment and looking at the patient that way. So how do you know if your patient has lymphedema? Um, I always say, you know, 100% of patients are going to present with lymphedema. It's just the presentation and the manifestation of the lymphedema is going to be different. So it, what I did clinically was during prehab um, was ask my patients questions about, you know, subjective. And then I would do, I'd have, make sure I have subjective and objective assessments on them 
But I would always tell my patients, if you even have a hangnail, I want to know about it. If anything changes during your radiation, I want to know about it. Tell, bore me, please. And week one, I would ask them, I was blessed that I could see my patients once a week when during their radiation. And I feel like that's a, a really great cadence to have. But I would always tell my patients that not every day is going to be a good therapy day. Not, not every week is going to be conducive to your, to your speech therapist. So even if it's for 10 minutes, just to check in, you know, I, I want to know about, I want to touch base with you. So week one, they would say, oh yeah, no, I'm doing fine. You know, radiation, this is going to be okay. Week two, that's when they started complaining of a mild dysphonia, a globus sensation, just some intermittent um, dynophagia or, you know, an alter in their taste and smell. Um, you know, maybe the xerostomia hasn't really set in yet, but just minor changes. To me, boom, that is, those are signs and symptoms of lymphedema because I guess something too that we should be adding in of the identification of lymphedema is we're looking for that elephantiasis look. So we're looking for that external goiter that's hanging down and saying, okay, that, or their eyes so popular that they can't open a labular buckle, you know, edema. But really we need to get out of that mindset that lymphedema equals swelling. And we need to start looking at it that lymphedema equals lymphatic dysfunction. And whatever intervention they went through, surgical or radiation, that causes a lymphatic dysfunction because your lymphatic system is right beneath the skin. So whether it's a scalpel, cutting, literally severing through that lymphatic system or radiation, which is, uh, you know, I always say, you know, picture my arm as layers. Layer number one is the skin. Layer number two is your lymphatic system. Layer number three is your muscle. And layer number four is the lesion. That radiation, it penetrates each layer. We acknowledge the skin changes, the dermal changes. We acknowledge the muscular changes. Um, and we acknowledge the lesion changes of, you know, the decrease in size. But we kind of like just skip over the lymphatic system. And so, and one of the pictures that I uploaded in my questionnaire, if you can't find it, I have everything saved. So yeah, but it's a picture of the uh, lymphatic system versus um, actually, and I have it right here. So it talks about like how the, everything on this side of her body is the, the purple and the red, those are the veins and arteries. And I'm like, your doctor always talks about that, but then I don't know if you can see all the green lines, but yep, yep. all I'm like, and that's your lymphatic system. Your lymphatic system goes throughout your whole body. And, but we don't talk about it. It's part of the circulatory system. Why aren't we talking about it? Um, so there is a, it, that radiation or the surgery causes that dysfunction and gold standard for treatment is manual lymphatic drainage. And the only way to get that is from a, a CLT, a certified lymphedema therapist. The problem in that lies that not even all CLTs are certified or even feel comfortable with treating head and neck patients. So 
this is just something huge that, you know, they just really fall through the cracks. So in short, you know, how do I know that my patient has lymphedema? Well, a good way is relying heavily on subjective assessments and any change that they're indicating. Really think of a lymphatic dysfunction there. But especially when they are starting to report a global sensation or any any swallowing changes, then that's when, you know, I, I really, I rely heavily on baseline assessments, the diagnostic studies, because that's what's really, you, you're going to have to compare those and say, okay, well, what am I looking at now? And I believe that getting in, you know, early intervention. So as soon as those, the onset of, you know, those issues, the, uh, the beginning of those complaints, we as a collective team, collective team uh, should be doing something about that and for the patients. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's difficult because again, we're, when we're having so many people say that's not within your scope of practice or speech in our minds, it's lymphedema equals PT. So to send them to PT and nope, we can, we are the, we're the swallowing specialists. We are the, we're the experts in this. So we should be taking hold of, um, you know, what is in our real house. And if that swelling is impairing or impacting in any way, is there anything within our scope of practice that we treat, you know, from swallowing to motor speech, voice, that then we should be able to identify and address it. Yeah. 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 Talk to me a little bit about when you did your CLT training. And, and like you said, there it's not a lot of people won't touch the head and neck area. How was that sort of handled in your training? You know, was was the people that were doing it, were they familiar with the head and neck area? Were they kind of leaning on you to help educate them? So I was I was only SLP in both of my trainings uh, of when I took it. Now, I did my, uh, my full certification through Norton, and I did my, my advanced through ACOLS, ACOLS, and... And Brad Smith, at, I was with Norton doing uh, doing his course, and I just, you know, and I've I've seen in his course notes, and you know, people that have taken his course and they've loved it. I wanted to get you know a, a different perspective on, you know, from a a PTCLT of again, kind of what they are, what their approach is, and with the when I got fully certified with Norton. It was when head and neck was brought up, it was the same thing when we talked about genital lymphedema. It was very brief and it was, if you want more information on this, then, you know, you go to an advanced training, but we are talking about just general and they were long days. It was expensive. It was lengthy and they were long days of really getting the technique down. And we did the... The whole body we did review that but it was a lot of about the bandaging and wrapping um so it was great to see that and then in my advanced head and neck one it was i remember the instructor was saying that okay jenna well you know we're gonna be talking to you a lot because we never have the head and neck expert in here and i'm like well i'm not an expert in anything i'm just i'm here to learn but it was they felt comfortable with doing the NLD 
I felt comfortable with the anatomy. And that's why they don't touch it because they're like, no, why, why would we touch it? I'm going to touch a leg. I'm not going to touch the carotid. I'm not going to go around their eyes. I don't want to put my hands in their mouth. I don't know what I'm doing. So the P, the CLTs that were there, you know, I asked them, well, do you treat head and neck? And they said, we get referred, you know, we get pulled in, but I just would have, I would call a, um, you know, compression company uh, for um, a customized mask, or I would just do MLB up to basically the traps. And then I would do just very light um, MLD on their face, but nobody, and again, that's why they were there and which I loved seeing other colleagues of mine wanting that, you know, true advanced training. Um, so it, it was great to see that, you know, they were yearning for that knowledge as well, but also shocked me a little bit of like, you guys don't, <laughs> this, this really isn't talked about. This really isn't taught. And so with speech, you know, you can be, you can get certified in just going to an advanced course. You do not need to be a full CLT to treat head and neck lymphedema. I got my full CLT because I was, I was starting to do research and get and do start to do retrospective studies, which I never completed because I left where I was at, but I did that because I was going, I was the only full-time CLT in their rehab department. And then, so for research, you know, I was advised that it would, it would behoove me to get my full CLT, but SLPs, no, you can't just go and perform MLB on a patient. Like you do need to be certified and trained with it. But, um, the, uh, certification for head and neck lymphedema is only just a, a couple of days long and significantly cheaper it's still expensive but it's significantly cheaper than getting your full clt and it's geared right right towards um the slp and how we can how we can help so it was it was a great eye-opening experience yeah awesome i love it yeah all right so also a major piece of the pie for this well the whole pie is that um we have to have a comprehensive team approach. And what I, uh, my patients is that, you know, your stretches are not the Holy grail. This pneumatic compression device is not the Holy grail compliance and team effort is that's the Holy grail duo. You know, we could have that cancer, you know, that cancer cure pill and say, okay, take this, and, you know, and you'll be cancer free, the patient still has to comply with you and swallow, take the pill. If the patient's not doing what you're telling them to do, uh, if there's no salience to it, then, you know, they're not going to want to continue with their therapy. And that's where when we have a team approach, when we are talking with our colleagues, PTs, OTs, you know, the CLTs, um, tumor board, and getting everyone on the same page, that is when we have the, I think the big epiphany of that's when everything aligns and the patient realizes, okay, this is important. Okay. This is something that 
I need to be paying attention to. They're going to be getting it from their from their PT, from their CLT, from speech. Are you doing your stretches? Are you doing your self MLV? Are you doing your hygiene? So it's really important for us to maintain a strong, strong communication with our other colleagues. I feel like a lot of rehab programs are just siloed and we have our on and it's like, okay, you know, speech, I'm just fixated on this. And then PT, okay, they're just fixated on that. And I think that that approach is so wrong that we could be doing so much more when we're just working together. And if people are, I don't know what, we're protective of our, um, like our little territories. Yeah. Territorial. And it's like, well, no, I'm doing that. And no, we're, I'm, I'm treating this. And instead, if we could just have that approach of how can we all work with each other? How can we, how can we get the best outcome for this patient? I think that would be a game changer and just be open to going to your PTs or saying like, Hey, could we do a lunch and learn? You know, right now I work with a company tactile medical and I, and I'm with them because I truly believe in the device. It is a, an advanced pneumatic compression um, device that's the only one on the market for head and neck patients. And this isn't a sales pitch. This is just, again, part of my, something that I use my patients. And I saw a, an instant and huge change in my patients' quality of life and their rehab progress. But I didn't put that on my patients without talking to, you know, to the PT that I work closely with and with the tumor board, just to make sure that everyone was on the same page. And then when we were seeing improvements, it was, again, not only am I using this device, but they are doing the stretches and the strengthening and their PT, you know, exercises. So it, it takes a village. Yeah. 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 I, I love the way that you just said that, Jenna, and you don't have to say this isn't a sales pitch. It's okay. I think what you just said really embodies evidence-based practice because you've done the work. You're clearly qualified, credentialed to, to do this type of work and to educate these patients and to bring to them things that you think would help them. And then you've also had the clinical experience to see that this has helped the patient. And the patient obviously can attest to, yes, this has helped me. So um, I I wish so many more SLPs would just embody that part of evidence-based practice where it is okay to talk about different products. It is okay to say, you know, everyone is so guarded about, you know, meshing SLP world and business world. And and I get it. There's conflicts, but there's, we have to, like, (laughs) every field uses products, you know, every field uses modalities and things like that and tools to help our patients get better. So, you know, I think if you're just using something without any underlying knowledge of what it can do, then it's not good. But clearly you've done the work to gain the knowledge and and understand how these things work. So that's just my soapbox moment. I felt like I had to chime in there. No, I appreciate it. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even right now, so with my role, I'm, uh, I'm an oncology key accounts manager, but what I do is I go and I'll, I do in-services with different, cl- with clinicians, clinics, rehab centers, hospitals about lymphedema 
treatment, you know, and just having them gain awareness and identify, you know, identifying lymphedema and then how to, uh, again, I am employed by tactile medical. So I do, it's talking about the clinical implication and implementation of the, of the device. But what I do as a clinician is I bring, yes, I bring tactile um, funded research of obviously backing the device, but what I've done independently is bring, you know, non-tactile funded research, stuff that I've had binders of head and neck lymphedema, and then the importance of lymphedema treatment to show, you know, any provider that I'm working with, whether it's a clinician, a physician, a nurse navigator, that this is something, this is something big that we have to address. But it's like you said, everyone is anyone clinical EVP. That's everything is based on, you know, EVP. And that's how I've always been. And there's not a lot out there, but I try and input all of it together of the impact of just, you know, radiation with the skin texture changes and whatnot. And, you know, and how that impacts the lymphatic system. And so, yeah, it's just as important as I use the device. Um, the, the flexi touch is the device I use. I called, you know, my rep from Juzo and Jeff would be there taking customized measurements so we could get the best garment for the patients. And it's just one of those things where, um, like you said, utilizing the different modalities, I will appraise a PT just as much as I would with implementing the, the flexi touch or a humidifier, you know, for the patients, just all of, again, it takes a village. So all these little pieces that, that have made a difference. So yeah, SLPs, we should not be afraid of treating lymphedema. We can make such a great impact on these patients with, you know, if we just have the knowledge, but I think that's my big hope of it's a, it's a pipe dream of mine. I always say it's a pipe dream of mine to have kind of prophylactic measures in place for head and neck lymphedema, but we're just not there yet. You know, it's yeah, yeah. so new. So that's my goal is to be not a key account manager for tactile. Like I don't only want to be seen in that light is I you know, I want to answer questions. I want to be there as a, as a colleague for, for anyone that is treating head and neck cancer, because, you know, if, if I don't know the answer, which there's a lot of that, I don't, as we all know, I have other colleagues that do know those answers. And I think that it would be great to have a connection of all of us of, you know, um, but it's just something new. So like I've said, do you, seeing what you've done with the collective and when you first start everything, I mean, I was on the bandwagon, I was hooked and <laughs> you inspire a lot of like, Oh wow. What can I do for head and neck? And yeah. Yeah. And it's something small, but as you brought together so many resources, it was just the, yeah, you, you've done a phenomenal job. A very well, thank you. Jenna. <laughs> very, yeah. It's just, I, I can't say enough great things. Um, I always, you know, listen to the podcast, you know, follow you on Instagram. It's oh, thank you. another SLP, you know, kind of getting out of our, just that 
technical role in saying, you know, again, where you're just, you're educating and helping other mm-hmm. SMEs. And that's what we need. We just need yeah. to help each other. And yep. when I think that when it comes to how do we get better in our field, how do we do better? How do we get our patients to be better? It's by helping each other, not sticking in those silos. Yeah. And, and, and I love what you said. Just, uh, I loved a lot of what you said. So thank you. But <laughs> one thing I've experienced with my son recently is it's just working within like a whole network of different PTs. And it was like one PT we went to, you know, suggested he needed these new AFOs. And they said, oh, you have to go see this PT. He's the specialist in that area. And then we were renting a stander and they said, oh, you got to go see this PT. He's the one that specializes in getting them equipped for the stander. And then we're getting a new walker for him. Oh, you've got to go see this woman. She's incredible at doing that. And I just, I was really, I just felt so, for lack of a better term, just like happy that there was such a supportive network of people just referring to other colleagues that had so much more in-depth knowledge about a specific topic. Like I never once felt like we were getting passed off or like there was a competition or, and, and it just, I was like, wow, this is really, everyone is just working so collaboratively in such a team approach to help my son get the best things that he needs, gets the best equipment that he needs. And, and I just, I had moments of like, I wish we had more of this in SLP world. Like, I wish we collaborated so much more in that, oh, this person, like you said, can help you with the lymphedema. This person can help you with something else. Like, I, I wish there was more collaboration amongst each other because I feel like, you know, so many of us want to specialize in things and that's great, but there's so much stuff for us to know and we can't know everything. And there are SLPs that, you know, I've worked with, I'm sure you've worked with that are, you know, they have a patient that is, you know, sent to them. And instead of saying, oh, well, you know, Teresa is really the expert. Uh, Teresa really treats a lot of these patients for, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, movement disorders. She's the one that you should really be talking to or oh, lymphedema. Hey, Jenna really is focused on that. It's no, I, I, I will just do it. I will take it on myself. And I think that it's a great thing to specialize in something, whether it's, you know, from head and neck cancer to, you know, uh, movement disorders to AAC. I think it's great because we can't be jack of all trade, master of none, where I think it's important to have specialists and and it's okay. And it's okay to specialize in something. Um, And it's okay to say, Hey, I'm not, I don't feel most comfortable in this. If you're in a more rural area or whatnot, you don't have those um, other colleagues to reach out to, to say, to refer to, you know, I, I believe that transparency is key. So if you don't feel comfortable or whatnot, just telling the patient, hey, you know, this isn't my forte, but, you know, I'm, we're going to do the best we can and I'm knowledgeable about it, but this is, you know, I'm reaching out to other colleagues or whatnot. And, but if you do have those resources and especially now, I mean, going with our special interest groups, the collective, we have resources that are available at our fingertips that we as a, as a speech community can reach out to and say, hey, you know, do you know anyone in my area? Or I have this patient, could you give me some advice? 
there are a million one ways to, you know, uh, to give our patients better care now. So I think it's great about your son where, especially because, you know, I mean, things haven't been an easy road for, for you guys and especially going back and forth to different people and trying to figure out those, those specialists, the best people to go to, you know, I'm sure on those emotional days where it seems overwhelming, it's nice to know that he's getting the best care and that it's not a, a, no, I'm your one PT. I'm your one SLP. I'm your one OT. And I'm, I'm all that you need. Mm -hmm. It's just refreshing. That's very refreshing to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been refreshing, which is nice. (laughs) So now we just have to bring it to SLP world. So exactly. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do. I don't know really exactly how to get there, but it's it's the beginning of my endeavor, my, my journey. So yes, I love it. I love it. Anything else you want to cover about lymphedema, Jenna? You know, I mean, to be honest, Teresa, there's so much, like even when I'm doing my in-services with that are very, like I'm very focused on like going through a binder with them. There's just so much to cover that because it's just so new. Um, I think it's, it's a, it's a great intro. I think that, you know, good. Awesome. Bring the awareness to, yeah, yeah. to our, to our people. Yeah. Awesome. If anybody's interested in learning more, getting to know you more, can they reach out to you? How, how do you? Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. They can reach out to me, you know, via email, but that would be the best way. Okay. Yep. We'll have all your information in the show notes. So wonderful. Yep. And then, um, yeah, whatever you need, if you need just, you know, another colleague's perspective, if, you know, if you want some more information on, um, the modalities or especially the, the flexi touch that, again, I truly do believe in that, you know, absolutely. I'm all just about education and training, just getting that awareness out there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jen. I, I love, we went a few different directions with this conversation, but I, I loved all of it. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. To download the show notes from this episode, please visit swallowyourpridepodcast.com. There you can also sign up for our email so that you'll never miss another episode. If you like what you hear, then please subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, and share it on social media with your friends and colleagues, because that is what keeps these episodes coming. If you'd like to be a guest, share feedback, or request a topic to be discussed on the show, please email podcast at teresarichard.com. Special credit to Danny V. Socrates for her amazing audio and editing skills and to Marissa Hendrickson for managing all the things behind the scenes. As always, thanks so much for listening and see you next week.